Any young people with us this morning? Excellent. Well, I've got a cartoon. Who likes cartoons? I love cartoons. This is a, a wonderful cartoon from the guys at Saddleback in California. They have a wonderful children's ministry, have a wonderful children's cartoon series. And this is a story of a short little fellow. I know some of you people uh, struggle to see over the top of all the grown-ups standing in front of you at times. I was short once as well, and I know some of you can relate to being short and or maybe being left out. This is a little cartoon about a, a short fella by the name of Zacchaeus. Can you say Zacchaeus? I'm sure his mates called him Zach, but he didn't have a lot of mates. He didn't have a lot of friends. People didn't like Zacchaeus. And this is his story about how he was radically changed by meeting Jesus. Stories of the Bible. Zacchaeus. This is Zacchaeus. Hey there who was a tax collector and very rich. Tax collectors were hated because many people thought they were liars and cheaters. <laughs> Zacchaeus lived in Jericho, and one day, Jesus was passing through Jericho. What's going on? Jesus is here! Woohoo! Zacchaeus wanted to see who Jesus was. <laughs> Excuse me. Hey, watch where you're going but he was too short to see above the crowd. Ah, oh, that's it! So he ran ahead to a place where he knew Jesus would come. He climbed to a sycamore tree so he could see Jesus. When Jesus came to that place, he looked up and saw Zacchaeus in the tree. Oh, hey there, friend. Who, me? Yeah, you. He said to him, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down. I must stay at your house today. Oh, all right. Zacchaeus came down quickly. He was pleased to have Jesus in his house. All the people saw this and began to complain. Ugh. Look at the kind of man Jesus stays with. Zacchaeus is a sinner. But Zacchaeus said to Jesus, I will give half my money to the poor. If I have cheated anyone, I will pay that person back four times more. Jesus said, Salvation has come to this house today. What? This man truly belongs to the family of Abraham. The son of man came to find lost people and save them. I'm going to pray for you guys. You guys can head up to Kids Church. Let's close our eyes. Let's talk to God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you so much that you love even the little people even the short people, even the people that some other people don't like very much. Please help us to know that Jesus came for each and every one of us, that Jesus came for me. Please help us to know that Jesus wants to be invited to our house, into our hearts, to live forever in order that we might live with him forever. In Jesus' name, the people said... You guys can head out to Kids Church and the grown-ups, why don't you take a moment to say good day to your neighbour, perhaps introduce yourself to someone that you don't know.
We're going to be in Luke chapter 19 today, church. You might want to grab a Bible up the back. If you haven't got a Bible, you might want to grab one. They're free up the back. If you haven't got a Bible at home, please feel free to come and see me. We'll give you one for free. If you haven't got uh, Luke 19 on your phone or on your iPad this morning, you might want to follow along with one of the pew Bibles up the back. Uh, if you could leave them with, with there, because it is helpful to have them all the same. But if you are in need of a Bible, uh, we can actually give you one. We would love to give you a Bible if you don't have one at home. We've been working our way through Luke, Luke's Gospel uh, for most of this year. And today we're up to Luke chapter 19, a story that only Luke tells us about, a story about this fellow Zacchaeus. So we're going to be reading uh, from Luke chapter 19, verses 1 through to 10. Now, as I said at the opening of the service, this is one of those stories that suffers from being dumbed down a little bit. If you grew up in Sunday school, if you grew up going to church, you'd be familiar with this story of, of short Zacchaeus. It's a wonderful children's story. Children can, of course, relate to being uh, short and not being able to see over the top of adults. We were all we're all short at one stage, weren't we? I mean, even Paul Mulroney. You must have been short at one point, Paul. At one day, you don't remember. I'm sure at some point, even Paul must have been short. So we can all sort of relate to sort of being, being short, not being able to see, being pushed out to the back. So it appeals to the child in, in all of us. And of course, this imagery of him climbing a, a sycamore tree to, to see over the top of the crowd, it's, it's a wonderful picture for illustrators or for cartoonists as well, isn't it? So it's a wonderful story that I think most of us can, can relate to. But the trouble is, of course, we hear this word Zacchaeus and we think we know what it's all about. Some short guy climbs a tree and sees Jesus and has dinner. But, but if, you, if you scratch beneath the surface a little bit, you see this is actually really packs a punch. Uh, this, is, this is actually fairly radical. This is actually a fairly scandalous story if you know the context. So yes, we know the cartoon character. We think of him as a little sort of a mini-me, don't we? We've been just seeing little ditties about him. Did anyone sing the little Zacchaeus was a wee little man, a wee little man? Yes, yeah, some of us are nodding our, are nodding our heads. But this is, a, this is a very human story about a man who happened to be short, but that's not the point of the story. The point is the transformation that takes place, the radical transformation that takes place. Uh, this, is, is, this is a story of God's amazing grace, his radical grace, his scandalous grace to rich and to poor alike. Luke has set us up. We're up for, setting us up for a fall this morning. He's set up a little bit of a trap that he thinks we're going to wander into. But let's have a look at this, at this story, at this uh, most uh, powerful stories and provocative stories, in fact, of all of Scripture, as well as one of the most uh, well known. This is a story that teaches us that God will stop at nothing less than the total transformation of who we are. Luke chapter 19 verses 1 to 10 says this, Jesus was going through Jericho where a man named Zacchaeus lived. He was in charge of collecting taxes, a chief tax collector, and was very rich. Jesus was heading his way 
And Zacchaeus wanted to see what he was like. I'm reading a different version. How about I read, read from, the, from the screen? He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. All the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to be the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now, I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Amen? Let's pray. A loving Lord, capture our minds, capture our hearts in this moment. Amen. So let's set the scene. Jesus is on his way to Jericho. He's been worshipping with us these past few weeks and months. You know that Jesus is winding his way back to, back to Jerusalem. And he, and he comes to, to Jericho. He's coming into town. Now, there's a few things that I want you to know that it's important to know about the context here, about the world that Zacchaeus lived in. Firstly, Jericho. Jericho was a prosperous city. It was a Roman city. It sort of was situated on the, the caravan route. It's quite a cosmopolitan city, exported its goods all around the world. It was uh, sort of a bit of a, a, a beautiful place of date palms and balsam trees. So, in fact, only 60 years earlier, about 35 uh, years before, before Christ, uh, Mark Antony actually gifted Jericho to his lover Cleopatra. It was known for being quite a desirable place to be. So that's Jericho. So if you were a tax collector in Jericho, not just a tax collector, if you were a chief tax collector, you probably had a whole bunch of people working underneath you, collecting taxes. It probably meant that you were the most hated man in Jericho. Jericho. That's the context. It was a beehive of social activity, a large flourishing city. So keep in mind this is a, a, a Roman city, a prosperous city, and, and Luke is setting us up here because this fellow Zacchaeus is a chief tax collector and we're told very plainly he was very rich. So Luke has set us up here been following through Luke, you'll know that he's been hammering away at a particular point really since the start of his gospel. It's really been ramping at home. He's been really driving home in Luke's case. He was very keen to show Jesus as a champion of the poor and of the oppressed. Luke, of all the gospel writers, is most concerned with making sure that justice is done for those that will be left out, particularly for the poor and sending the rich away hungry. Think about it, right from Jesus' birth. In fact, even before Jesus is born, 
In, in the two Christmas stories we get in the Gospels, that, that you'll find them in, in only Matthew and in, in Luke. If you're at a dinner party and you want to impress your, your friends, you wouldn't call them a, a Christmas story. We call them birth narratives in the theological world. You'll find birth narratives in both Matthew and in Luke. But Luke tells us about Mary bursting into song, which you might hear it referred to as the Magnificat, or simply Mary's song, where she's singing God's praises about how God has uplifted the poor, feeds the hungry, and, and sends, the, and, and sends the, the rich away, away empty. And then when Jesus is born, unlike Matthew that tells of visitors, wise men visiting from far off land, who's visiting the infant Jesus in Luke's gospel, born in a smelly old stable? It's smelly old shepherds. The social outcast shepherds, lowly shepherds are the ones visiting the Christ child. Luke goes on and drives this theme home time after time in story after story. Matthew tells of Jesus telling the Beatitudes in Sermon on the Mount. Luke has his own version of the Beatitudes where Matthew says, blessed is the poor in spirit. Luke just says, no, blessed are the poor, full stop. And then he goes on to add a list of woes. as woe to the rich because you've already had your fill. Luke goes on and includes a number of stories that only, only he includes. If you've been with us here at church in the marketplace over the previous weeks and months, you'll know that we heard about a story about a, 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 a rich fool whose crops yielded a, a, a bumper harvest. And so he tore down all his barns and, and built bigger ones only to have his life demanded of him that night, that foolish man. Luke also only records for us a story of this beggar by the name of Lazarus living at the gate of a rich man, only to have them both uh, die and to have Lazarus, this poor man, exalted into heaven to be by Father Abraham's side. And the rich man looking longingly, who's in hell, looking at Lazarus, begging for just a, a, a drip of, of, of water. Luke is driving this point home over and, and over a, again. And then in, in the previous story, just before this one in chapter 18, we have the story of the rich young ruler that comes to Jesus. And he's a good man. He's a good fellow. He's a good Jew. He's done everything right, this guy. He's not foolish. He's not corrupt at all. He's a, he's a, he's a young man that's done very well. He's done everything right, kept all of the command. Matthew and Luke... Matthew and Mark also include this story, but you can be sure Luke's not going to leave this one out. He comes and throws him to Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, oh, mate, you're doing so well. Just one thing you lack, go and sell everything you have and give it to the poor. He goes away sad because he couldn't give up all of, all of his money. And what does Jesus say in commentary? If you have a look, go home and look at a bit of extra points for homework this week in the previous chapter. This is the previous story. Jesus famously says it's easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. Luke's been driving this point home over and, and over again. And so by the time it gets to this story, we almost feel as though we can finish Luke's stories off for him. So he sets us up here. Jericho, chief tax collector. Zacchaeus was his name. He was very rich. Okay, Luke, we get the idea. We know where this is going. 
is going to come into town and going to get his comeuppance. Jesus is going to hit him up and say, to turn, you better give up all of your wealth. But Luke here has set us up, and now he's about to pull the rug out from underneath us. Jesus is coming to town. Zacchaeus would have had a lonely sort of an existence. He was despised by everyone. His name actually sort of meant the blessed or the the holy one or the pure one. But Zacchaeus now would have been, well, scum in the eyes of his fellow countrymen. Because I'm sure you broadly understand, but I I really want you to know that he he would have been the most hated man in the city because he was collecting taxes from his fellow Jews to give to Rome. He was a traitor to his own people. Not only that, but the system was rife for abuse. You could be taxed on the donkey that pulled your cart, on the cart itself, on the goods in the cart. The system was rife for abuse, and that was exactly what would happen. These tax collectors would charge their fellow Jews more than what they had to pay to Caesar. The money, by the way, went to Caesar to pay for the army that was oppressing them. But they would take more than what they had to and pocket the difference. Everyone sort of done it. It was just an accepted part of the system, so it seems. And Luke all but affirms it when he simply says he was very rich. Zacchaeus would have been despised by his fellow Jews. You can imagine that day as Jesus comes into town and the other sort of men sort of just elbowing him out of the way. You can imagine the elbows flying that day as Zacchaeus tries to sort of peer through and they notice who it is, elbow him out of the way. Even his Roman overlords would have hated him and despised him, by the way. He was still just a filthy Jew to these Romans. There wouldn't have been many dinner parties happening in Zacchaeus' house. It would have been a lonely old existence for Zacchaeus despite his great wealth. So we all know the story. Jesus comes to town. He can't see over the top. So he climbs, he climbs a tree. And then the scandalous part of the story really starts. Jesus comes along, spies him up the tree and calls out to Zacchaeus, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I'm coming to your place tonight. Let's party at your place tonight. This is scandalous stuff. Jesus, who they all wanted to come and see, what, are you, you know who this guy is, Lord? This guy, this guy, this is the person? He shouldn't even be acknowledging this person, let alone going to eat with this guy. This guy's scum, a betrayer. He's, a ter- he's the worst of the worst, this guy. And yet you're going to eat with him? Up until this point, Jesus, of course, had a history of dining and eating and associating with sinful people. But up until this point, it was always the stuck-up religious types that were mumbling and grumbling and moaning. It was always the Pharisees who had a bit of a problem with what Jesus was doing. It was always the sort of the religious rulers and the elites that had a bit of a that was having a problem with Jesus. Not so much here. See, things are different here. Here, look at verse seven. It says everyone began to mutter. This is sort of strikes too close to home. I can sort of understand it. I can get it. Zacchaeus was the part of the rich elite, the powerful ruling elite. And yet here's the ordinary everyday people, people like you and me, 
it really feels like a bit of a kick in the guts. It really feels like, you know, we've been trying to obey the commands, Lord. We're trying to do the right thing. And, and you're going to eat with this guy? It says everybody began to mutter. The muttering continued all the way to Jerusalem, murderous muttering as a matter of fact. Jesus does a scandalous act in going to eat in the home of this chief tax collector. Everybody is grumbling. That's scandalous, scandalous enough. But Luke isn't finished yet. Luke isn't finished rubbing the salt into the wounds just yet. We don't know what happened over the course of their meal together. We don't know what was said, but we certainly know the results, and the results are amazing. The results tell us a lot about what happened. We're told that Zacchaeus stands up and says, Lord, I'm going to give away, and makes a double barrel promise. He says, I'm going to give away half of everything I have, and if I've cheated anyone out of anything, I'm going to pay it back four times over. Jesus scandalously says, Today salvation has come to this house because even this man is a child of Abraham, a son of Abraham, a real Jew. Praise God, salvation has come to this house. Friends, this is a scandal. This guy didn't deserve salvation. This guy was scum, the lowest of the low, despite being in the elites. He was actually scum compared to all of his other fellow countrymen. And here is Jesus acknowledging him, eating with him, saying that salvation has come to this house. We almost, up until this point in Luke's gospel, we kind of almost expect Jesus to have a go at him at this point. When he says, I pay back half of everything, given what he's just demanded of the guy that he's met in the previous chapter, we sort of almost say, aha, he's got you now, Zacchaeus. It's all or nothing for you, buddy. But no. Jesus turns the tables. Luke's Jesus here turns the tables on us. And this rich, powerful, wealthy elite, a member of the ruling class, experiences salvation. Even the wealthy are welcome here to the table. Well, Pete, what about that whole, it's easier for a camel to pass through the eye of a needle than for a rich person to get into the kingdom of God? Well, go back and have a read of that properly. Have a look at it in context. And just a couple of verses later, you'll see Jesus actually says here, but what is impossible with man is possible for God. I think what Jesus is saying is sometimes it is harder for wealthy people to surrender to God, as we've been singing this morning, to think that, well, I have to receive this as a free gift, that I can't just buy my way into the kingdom. I think that's what Jesus is saying here. But this little event with Zacchaeus turns the tables. The rich and the poor alike are both welcome at the table. This is a problem for people like me, and I suspect if you're honest, you too. Because I think deep within us, within all of us, whether we've been regular churchgoers for many, many years, or frankly even the person, the average Aussie off the street, we struggle with this concept that we don't have to earn our... We don't have to earn our salvation. That we're a little bit more entitled to receive God's love and acceptance and grace than perhaps some other people. This is a scandal because here is Jesus eating with Zacchaeus and declaring salvation has come. He's had a life radically transferred and, 
and it's, it's the ordinary people that are whinging. It's a challenge to you and to I to be able to say, well, I better be prepared to eat with this fella. I mean, what would the modern Aussie equivalent be, I wonder, of a tax collector? I mean, we, none of us like paying our taxes, of course. None of us particularly like hearing from the ATO, but nothing like in those days. I suspect it to be a little bit like a, a child sex offender, terrorist, perhaps. Someone that is really considered to be beyond the pale. Even salvation is possible for these people that we think that we're a little bit better than. I think this story challenges you and I to say that as long as we still think that we deserve to be at this table, but this person doesn't, it kind of makes us think maybe we haven't really grasped the nature of God's grace at all, and maybe we need to go and have a rethink about our place at the table. We're still falling into that trap that says, I've got to earn my way to that place at God's table, earn my way to that dinner with Jesus Christ. This man, this worst of the worst, this hated person, has spent his life taking from people, ripping people off. He's actually transformed into one of the most generous hearts that Jesus ever encountered. Four times repaid, giving away half of everything that he has. This is a story of radical transformation. This is a, a, a radical story of, of grace that really gets to those of us who think we're a little bit better because we turn up every day here to church and we, and we give. Now, don't get me wrong. Coming to faith in Christ and surrendering your life, having a changed heart, will mean a changed life. Hopefully the people around you will be able to see it. Don't just tell me you're a Christian. Show me your bank balance. Show me how you give, how you tithe properly to your local church family, how you give to missions far afield. Show me your tax return. Show me how you're giving to charitable organizations. Show me how you spend your free time. Show me your plans for your retirement, perhaps. If you're just planning to tick off a whole bunch of things off your bucket list and, 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 and really just live for yourself, then really I think you might need to, to make sure that you are the one who's prepared to come down off your high horse out of your tree and come to eat with Jesus. I've got nothing against ticking off things on your bucket list in your retirement. I've got a few things there as well. But, but if that's all you're planning to live for in your retirement, I think you need to invite Jesus into your house for a meal and have a frank and earthy discussion about life and death and faith and, and what, it's, what it's really all about. Jesus, of course, was the ultimate victim of the rich and the powerful. He was the ultimate victim of the ruling elite. Born in a, in a stable, no place to lay his head. He was a refugee. He... He was arrested on trumped-up charges, and he was tortured to death. But what is his response to this ill-treatment at the hands of the wealthy, the powerful, the elites? It's amazing grace, isn't it? Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Jesus' grace is radical. It's scandalous. Until we truly accept how radical it is, that we, in fact, are all 
Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus is a little bit like all of it, a little bit of Zacchaeus in, in all of it. But I'm really no better off than the murderer or the rapist or the child molester unless we can see that, well, I better be prepared to sit down and eat with these people, that I'm in just as much need of God's saving grace as them, then perhaps we too had better double-check our place at the table. So can I encourage you this morning, friends, to come down out of your tree. Can I encourage you to come down off your high horse, come down and dine with Jesus, eat with Jesus. And I encourage you to make sure that you have accepted that invitation. By the way, Nick, he could have rejected that invitation. But Jesus is always only ever an, an invitation. Zacchaeus could have knocked Jesus back that day. Of course, many people still do knock Jesus back. Be warned, inviting Jesus in can be costly. It costs Zacchaeus half of everything he had. Commentators say it probably also cost him his job, by the way. It would have been hard for him to continue in his job having been radically transformed for Jesus in the way that he was. Are you prepared to lose your job for Christ? It's something that many of us haven't had to confront, is it? Certainly not something that I have ever had to in my life, but you are starting to see that in recent weeks. Christians losing their job for maintaining a, their Christian faith. It's coming, church. Are you ready for this? Can I invite you to come down and invite Jesus in? Can I invite Jesus to invite Jesus in to invite him into your life? Beware that changes might be demanded of you. He loves you so much that when he meets you, he doesn't leave you as you are. He wants to radically transform you into his likeness. It takes courage to get out of your tree, but the gift of abundant new life, resurrection life in this life in the next, the reordering of your priorities into alignment with God's are more than worth it. Won't you accept Jesus' invitation into your life today? Amen? Let's pray. Dear God of grace, we too need to redeem our past, to transform our present, and to redirect our future. Call us out of the places where we sit today and show us how to be the people you would have us be. Help us to see our need for your amazing grace, your scandalous grace, shown to the best and the worst, the rich and the poor. Help us to see that we are in need of your saving grace, but making the decision to accept Jesus into our heart, into our life, will be the best decision we could possibly make. In Jesus' name. The people said, I'm going to invite.